everybody. Good morning, evening, whatever time it is you're listening. Welcome to the Full Cup. I'm Libby Switzer, hanging out here with my dad, Craig Berthold. We are glad you are here joining us today. Yeah. I feel like... Okay, okay. This is what I wanted to talk about. So from our po- our podcast we did last week, um, I did a post about it and like let people know we had recorded a new podcast. And we started that podcast out by talking about how we have cleaned up. Well, sometimes we work on cleaning up our language and <laughs> because, and I got so many questions saying, what are you talking about? Who's complaining about this? And, and yes, I have received a few comments saying, you know, very disappointed that the language is not up to par or up to par, whatever your part is. It's kind of like my daughter and me, her dad, and we're just talking about things. Yeah. And this is the way we've talked ever since she's yes. been alive. And uh, I was probably a lot uh, uh, a lot more profane be- before I got in touch with God again. So I've cleaned up considerably, uh, but I'm still just talking to my daughter and uh, talking about the things that people have taught me over the last 43 years. Yeah. And I think, so anyway, that's what people were also asking, like, what are you talking about? Clean up the language, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> we, and, we certainly don't want to offend. No, anybody. we don't. Exactly. And, and we want to be as kind as we can, but we're just, uh, Libby and I are just talking about uh, what we've been talking about for 40 years now. Yeah. Aren't I, aren't I lucky? <laughs> I have had these conversations for 40 years. In fact, I have a friend the other day who, sent me a message and was like, how do I get free from my mother-in-law? You need to tell me. And I'm like, okay, let me see what I can tell you. <laughs> and I'm acting like I know because I've just lived with you. But I basically was like, I think um, maybe like therapy is probably better than me telling you because <laughs> I'm not a therapist. Okay. So this brings us to today. We gave you a little a sneak peek last week uh, telling you we're going to be talking about the greatest power that we have on this earth. Yeah. And I do believe the greatest power we have is our belief system. Uh, What the theologians have called faith for thousands of years Uh, in a recent uh, Mormon conference, uh, our prophet, uh, President Nelson said this, that faith in Jesus Christ is the greatest power available to us in this life. All things are possible to them that believe. And I absolutely believe that. As we've talked before on this, we've talked about, we talk, we, we use neurological unconscious submodalities or what we call lenses. We work on neurological unconscious anchors. We've talked about anchors, like a, a song will remind me of another time. And we've also talked about defensive templates. We have the red defensive templates, the admiral temporal versus the white or spiritual or theological DTs. And it's been my experience that the greatest DTs are always the white DTs that the theologians have told us for thousands of years. And, and there's, there's many of them, but today I'm going to talk for me. uh, I think probably the third or the fourth most powerful tool that we have to help us work out the struggles that we have. Now, before you've already heard first is agency from a psychological perspective, we call it moving from emotional dependency into emotional independence. Mm-hmm. 
I get to think for myself. I get to decide for myself. I think I gave you this, all truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there's no existence. So if, you're in a, if you are an intelligence, you need to be independent in the sphere in which you've been placed. Yes. So, so first to me is agency, or from a psychological perspective, emotional independence, thinking for myself, not what just everybody tells me I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. Number two is love. When I finally got free from my mom, I could love her more than I ever loved her. Uh So the first greatest gift is agency or emotional independence. Second is love. I can love my patients because I don't let their stuff mess with me. I can love my children, my wife, my mother, the neighbors, the people who have said horrible things. If I can get free from some of the politicians who have said some of the things that they say, if I can get free from that in my head, in my heart, I can love them also. So second is love. Third is gratitude. Uh I talked before when I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for that, how it loads the system neurologically. Well, today we're going to talk about what religionists call faith. I call it stacked anchors of belief. Okay. What the theologians talked about it a long time ago, but... The psychologists years ago, about 40 or 50 years ago, when the neurolinguistic people came along, they said in NLP, we've learned that everything we learn is stacking anchor upon anchor of what we believe. Uh-huh. You probably recognize this. This has been going on for years. But think of the greatest players in the uh, uh, major baseball or uh, major basketball or football. I, I think often of some of the NBA players that I've treated in the years how many shots do they take putting it in the basket in just in their imagery, in their brain? They think they sit in school making shots in their English class when they're in high school. They sit at home watching TV and they're making the shots. And they imagine creating these neural pathways over and over and over and over. And that's what golfers do. Maybe you've noticed some of the golfers when they step up on the tee shot, you'll see some of them. And they will anchor the whole retina, the, the whole list of, of stacked lenses, the num- number of times they've made that 350-yard shot. And so they set up, and they've already made that shot on that course in their head numerous times. And then they step up, and they go, and that little click in there is the anchor back to that neural pathway that is so deep, and they hit the ball 350 yards. You know this in professional sports. The same thing happened when we were in elementary school. I think when I, a long time ago, when I started, when I, when I switched from the, the neurolinguistics, and uh, that was from 20, 30 years ago, and then more recently is the neuroplasticity, when we learned that everything we've ever learned is like a deer going down the trail, right. creating a deeper deer trail. Mm-hmm. So Libby, when you were in elementary school, I think we talked about this some time ago, when your teacher said two plus two equals four, what did you say? Two plus two is four. Did you say that mm-hmm. to yourself? Mm-hmm. How many times do you think you said that to yourself? A lot. And did you have to write it down too? Yeah. And maybe count your fingers, one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. And so how much is two plus two? Four. Because you've created that kind of neural pathway. You've heard so many times, two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. What have the theologians called the most important power that all mankind has? Faith. 
Is that the same as stacking anchors? I believe that it is. We didn't call it that when the theologians wrote about this four or 5,000 years ago, or we read about it in the New Testament. But in fact, that's exactly what happens. How often do you pray to God? How often do you make him real in your life? How often do you decide that he does love you no matter what? But sometimes it gets confused because maybe somebody said, well, God's so disappointed in you. God's so disappointed in you. God's so disappointed in you. If you keep doing that, you're being bad. God's going to be upset with you, upset with you, upset with you, upset with you. Do you hear the deer trail? Mm -hmm. Versus the deer trail is I've made some mistakes. I can change this. Will you help me change this? I know you love me no matter what. Mm -hmm. How many have really believed that God loves us no matter what? And how many deer have gone down that trail that my God does love me? I think I've told you before when I was a little boy and I would attend my church, have sometimes teachers would say, oh, God is so disappointed in you. I had people said, you're going to end in prison one day. You're, you're nothing but trouble. You're no good. And so how many deer did I go down the trail in my brain that God really loves me and I'm special or God's disappointed me. I'm a failure. He's angry with me. He's disappointed in me. One of the things we learned from UCLA probably 20 years ago, I believe it was UCLA, and what they found is they wanted to look at faith-based therapies. And so what they did is they went to different people. Let's say that we have a lot of your priests in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. They get their PhD in theological counseling, so they do psychotherapy. A lot of your Baptists, they have PhDs in uh, psychology or uh, how many social workers. You got MSWs as seminary teachers, you know, things like that, because mm -hmm. they want to help. Well, what they found is there wasn't that much difference whether they saw a religious leader or whether they didn't. He didn't seem to have much of an effect on what happened in therapy for the patient. What they did find was this, that oftentimes our earliest perspective of our supreme being comes from our earliest authoritative figure mm -hmm. is we're children. So if my mother was always angry with me, guess who have you got? Yeah, always angry with you. If my father would say, I'll be at your game and never show up, then I'd say, well, God probably show up at your game, but he won't be at my game. And mm -hmm. so we start to configure in our brains and create those neural pathways of our belief. So how important is it then that we develop a relationship with our supreme being who does love us? Now, does he say, I love you so you can keep doing all that bad stuff, Craig? Or does he say, Craig, I still love you? But you ought to knock that crap off because it's not good for you. I still love you, but you will have a better life if you live righteously. I am finding, as I have had conversations with people, especially after this podcast, that it's like a new idea that God is unconditionally loving. <laughs> it's a new idea. It's not such a new idea, but uh, yeah. But people really don't believe that. Like they really, really struggle to believe that, well, yeah, I know God loves me, but it's, there's always like a, well, but I have to do this or I have to change this. And then I know, and I'm, I think that is a really neat thing to learn and to be able to realize or to have faith in that he really does and that's, love you. That's the word. It's what is your faith? 
How has it been created? How are you going to create it based upon your experience that people talk yes. to you about? Did your father say, you've condemned yourself, you're going to hell, you've been such an evil little bugger, God's always disappointed in you? Or did your mother say to you, you did some dumb stuff, Libby, but I still love you. Come on, you can work this out. And we'll either way, no matter what they said, you do get to decide and you get to choose what you want your faith to be. Yes, but if you have so many lenses or so many deer going down the path that it's this way, can you just automatically go, oh, I'm going to change automatically? No. If I've had 50,000 deer going down the trail of you're no good, you have low, no value, you're not important, there is no God, or I was never even taught that there was a God. And then all of a sudden, somebody says there's a God and he loves you. What? What is this? But it's amazing how quickly that can incorporate with people. When in my office, when they start to believe that their God loves them profoundly, and I said, I, you have to decide that. I can certainly give you my faith, but you have to create that faith. You have to send the deer down the trail. You have to create that. He, it, it, throughout Scripture, it says, this is God speaking. I have no power in your life unless you put faith in me. He says, I got Jack, nothing, no, unless you put faith in me. But a lot of people are going the other way. Oh, no, he's mad at me. He's disappointed me. I can't believe this. It hurts too painful. Oh, it's so awful. That's the guy in the black hat yelling at people because he said in the beginning, I'm going to make you all captive. And people say, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to go with Jesus' way. And Lucifer standing there saying, we shall see. <laughs> and what's his job? Is to make you be everybody captive to all of this other garbage that has been dumped and fed to the world. And, and he says, well, God's disappointed in you. Well, God hates you. you well, you can't make it because God is so upset with you and you're so horrible and you're so wrong. But if we created this belief system in a supreme being that he does love us, and that we get to decide. And now, a lot of people say this, and I, I think I may have talked about this some time ago. A young man came in to see me. Uh, did I tell you this? He came home from his mission early? Maybe. I, I mean, uh, anyway, I've seen a lot of people. Lots of people do. Uh, and he came in, and he came home, and he was a uh, member of his faith, and he didn't believe in uh, smoking dope and doing all the crazy stuff he was doing. He thought that was, that was wrong. Oh, yes. And then he started doing it. Yeah. And yeah. then. You said God still loves you, and he was telling his friends, "Hey, God you, still loves us. We can do whatever that's we want." What he said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and God does still love him. Yeah, but will God also say, "Well, I'm, I'll ask you. You love your kids, right?" Yeah. It's if he's if he's headed for the street, the street are you going to say, said. "Stay out of the damn street," right? right. Yeah, darn exactly. street. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. Come on down. So you can tell him to stay out of the street. Well, God's still going to say, "Craig." Knock that off. Throughout the scriptures, he says this in Messiah and in different places in the New Testament. He says, if you want to be blessed in the red and the white, he doesn't say it that way, temporally and spiritually, uh -huh. I call it red and white, live righteously. Oh, no. It's much more than that. It's not. He says, I will bless you temporally. What? You get a nice house, nice car, maybe get a handsome husband or beautiful wife oh boy we're gonna have oh yeah right in the red but you're also going to have all the other things the sweetness the goodness of all the white offers if we would just live righteously oh no no it's much more than that nah it's not so much 
Put your trust in him. Start sending the deer down the path that there is a supreme being that loves us no matter what we ever do. And he might want to slap and say, hey, knock it off because I love you. you Is he doing this to see, let's see if you pass or is he doing it? Everything I've ever told you to do, Craig, I'm telling that because I love you. Not to condemn you, not to to tell you you're no good, not to not to make you feel guilty. The guy in the black hat wants you feeling miserable and guilty. I want you to know that I'm going to love you. If you've done something stupid, I hope you feel a little bad about that. So you maybe that'll be enough to motivate you to change it. Mm-hmm. But I hope you get through it. So, going back to faith now. Faith is the greatest power available to us in this life. A long time ago, I think I talked about Lao Tzu. This is 630 BC, and and he talked about uh, yin and yang. Mm-hmm. There's oppositions in all things. Okay. And I think again, we've talked about the soul is made from a body and a spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. The yin and the yang. Even with that struggle between my body and spirit, even when my body is saying do this thing, and the red say no, don't do that, and the reds, white say no, we're going to do this, and the red says no, we're not going to do that. Remember, I call body and spirit red and white. There's a struggle like this in all of us. The healthier we are, the happiest life we get is the more we live in the white. We don't have to destroy or get rid of the red. We just make sure that we're captained by the white and that the captain leads us even in the red. Is that making sense? Yes. When we start sending deer down the path that he loves you, that you trust in him, and you start creating and sending deer down that path, just see what happens. See if it can't help clear out depression. How many people are feeling when they're so depressed and miserable over some of the things they've done? And I say to them, do you have a religious belief? No, no, I don't. I said, did you ever? When I was a kid, I used to go to to church. I went to the catechism. I went, I went to the Catholic church. I went to this. I went to that. I said, okay, well, can I talk to that little boy for a minute? And I say, be, be 10 again. At 10, did you believe in Jesus? Oh, yes. The triad, yes. Believe in all. Okay. What would happen if you use that today? Would that make it possible that you, you at 48 years of age, who's lived some of the life that you've lived and done the things, do you have a belief that your supreme being would wash all that stuff away? What does a 10-year-old say? Uh-huh. Yes. Can he go talk to his priest in the, bo- in, the in the box and have that washed off? Uh-huh. Has the 48-year-old man forgotten that? Uh-huh. But if he went back to that, and realized and cranked up his faith or stacked anchors of belief in a supreme being that loves him no matter what and will provide a way for him, could that help him eliminate some of the garbage that he's done, Mm -hmm. that he's feeling terrible about? Yeah. Sometimes people come in and say they're not religious. I say, then create a religion. Find your God, but whoever you find... Make sure that he or she or universality or whatever you come up with loves, adores, and cherishes you. That he will walk with you. That he will never, ever abandon you. In the past, I've talked about feeling abandoned by God. And that's why I left my faith until I realized he never got out of the truck. This is another part I want to address just for a moment. I addressed this a little bit in the past. A dear friend of mine uh I'm going to call his name David. 
David and I uh, parted quite a bit when we were in our 20s and 30s, and we both went off to school. Uh, I went and got my MSW and then my LCSW. He got his PhD. And we would, you know, stay out late and talking over the world. And he used to be a very, very religious man, uh-huh. extremely more so than even me. And then I ran into him about 20 years ago. I was up in Idaho and saw him there. And I said, David, how's you doing? He says, great. He says, how are you doing? I said, David, I found God, dude. I've, I've turned into a Jesus freak. I'm nuts about this stuff. And he says, you? I said, yeah, me, David. And I said, what about you? He said, oh, there is no God. I'm an atheist. I said, oh, come on. You did all that religious stuff for your faith, for your church. You were a big believer in it. Yeah, it's a, it's a crock. It doesn't mean anything. I said to him, what, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, uh, you know, I've been married three times. All of them just turned to crap. Uh, I don't subscribe to any of them or what any of them said. Um, you know, my mother left me this lot of money and, you know, I, sell my boat every day and golf and I'm just having fun. And I have lots of girlfriends and places like that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I said, well, good. Okay. But you're an atheist. Yeah. There's no God. He said to me, Craig, all you have done, the reason you're such a, a, a Jesus freak is all you've done is stacked up a whole bunch of anchors, lenses, submodalities in a belief system in a Supreme being. You read about him. You read something about him. You learned something about him which is the same thing that can take people away from their faith by, well, this says this, this says this, this says this. And pretty soon we're going into this other path. Oh, there is no God. Yeah, wherever you stack those anchors. Whether for or against. Yeah. Or how you're playing golf. Is it a good shot you're making or a terrible shot? Okay. Uh So he said, all I've done is stacked up a whole bunch of anchors in a belief system in a supreme being. And then you've manipulated them and stacked them up in such a way. This is from the, the linguistic stuff. Same thing we'd say today, put more deer down the path. Uh-huh. And you've then manipulated them in such a way that you've created now, Craig, a, a, a stacked bunch of anchors in a supreme being that you believe loves you, that you believe all the crap you've done in your life you don't have to worry about it because you feel like you've created a belief that he'll take that stuff away from you. And so it's just a stacked anchors of belief and manipulated in such a way. And that's why you're so happy. Well, but great. It's exactly what Who I gives said. gives a shit? Like it works. <laughs> that's what I said. I said, exactly, David. What do you think I'm talking about? He says, well, all it is is manipulated stacked anchors of belief. I said, oh, wait, 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 wait. Now, you're, you're a devoutly religious man, right? And you had those in your faith, uh, the 13 articles of faith. And wh- one of them, uh, you went on a, a, an LDS mission? He said, yeah. I said, okay, there's one in there that says the first principle. What is the first principle of your faith that you learned in that? What are you talking about? I said, come on. I, I don't even remember it. I didn't go on a mission. What is that first principle? You said, first principle of the gospel is oh, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, excuse me? The first principle is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus Christ? No, that's what it says. It's not Jesus Christ. It's faith. And I said, what the heck are we talking about, David? We're talking about stacking anchors of faith. Is it Christ, the first principle? Or is it our faith in Christ, the first principle? If it wasn't Faith, there would we'd have he can't he says I, I I can do nothing. 
I can't do anything with you unless you have faith in me. But when you start develop, well, he just kind of looked at me and went, oh, <laughs> I felt pretty good on that one because he was using the science, the psychology. He's just, you know, telling me, well, it's just medically stick. But what have the theologians said now for years? What did uh, Joseph Smith say, the first principle of the gospel? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it stacked anchors of belief? Yes. That's what the science, the neuroscience of today, the neuroplasticity. If you listen to Dan Siegel, he talks about one of the most important things you can do now is love. And what does it do? How it cures you and does all kinds of things. Well, what happens if you start creating a faith in your supreme being who loves you no matter what? And you decide in your mind that he is real. You don't even have to believe it. You have to hope for it. You have to, I'm, I'm striving to create it. And you start studying him. You start praying. You start doing these kinds of things and watch and see how it can affect things like depression. Where does the depression come from? Fear. All the psychologists, Freud talked about it, you know, 1896. All of the theologians have said, what's the motivator of all mankind? It's fear. Well, if you have a belief that there is somebody that will be with you always, what does it do to the fear? Goodbye. Goodbye. There's not very much that messes with me anymore because I've started crack, stacking up so many anchors in a belief system that he's real. Now, I'll caution you again. What are you building the belief in? Is it all the red stuff? Is it all the money? Is it all the men, women, power, envy, jealousies? Fun, exercise, any your phone, distraction, anything but fun to and make exercise you... <laughs> can be wonderfully white things. They can, but they can also be like your um obsessed obsession with I've yeah. got to get to the gym three times a day, mm -hmm. even it means leaving the kids uh, home alone. Or <laughs> quit talking about me, Dad. <laughs> I didn't know you. Were, yeah, but you got a fourteen-year-old. Turn it over to him. Thirteen-year-old, anyway. No, I am talking about the things that distract me. Like I, what is my focus? Is it wake up and get on my knees and pray? No, it's wake up and get on my gym clothes and get out the door before I wake anyone up. Which is okay, but I'm like this conversation is good because it's making me think. Yes, if I want to have a strong faith and strong anchors built, then it requires that action. Sure. And so I probably need to do that first or somewhere in my day, at least once, if I want to start working on that yeah. instead of what, you know, yeah, I just think it's a good tool. It's a good conversation to have. I so. think we talked about some, but do you remember when I started drinking at 12, how many times did I drink and I didn't feel that I was loved? Every time. Every time. Then when they asked me to teach the primary class that, you know, I was drinking and everything, and I got to teach these kids, don't you ever forget this. I got to read this. This is in Romans. No matter what you ever do, God will never stop loving you. I don't know if the kids remembered it, but I remembered it. And I've been sober 37 years. I haven't had a drink since then. What happened? Because I knew that he loved me, and I decided that he did. Is that creating a faith in me? What happens when you set out to do something all alone, but if you absolutely know God is with you? Let's talk about, we now know that only about 3% of the public women care for their bodies. 90-some-odd percent of women hate their bodies. 
who, what has Lucifer done? He has made more people captive to their weight, to their eyebrows, or they got to get their fat sucked, or they got fat, fat put in their forehead, or you know, or on their bosom, <laughs> yes. or whatever. They, they do all this stuff to to change all I this stuff up, you know, because they don't love themselves. But if they got God on their side, their cup is full. God loves me. Let me ask you this: If I want to lose weight. And I'm really feeling terrible. I'm fat. I sometimes say, I haven't said this, but I know a lot of them. If I hate myself enough, I'll finally lose the weight. I'll just hate myself. Yeah. Yeah. And we I talked say, about that a little bit last week. Yeah. What would happen if I just started loving me? And he says, I'm with you. I'll walk with you in this. I might not need to eat all four of those cookies that are yeah. sitting right in front of me when you were done here. I'm going to eat one. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting at is when we start creating faith in anything we want, but most important, I'll say it again, faith in Jesus Christ is the greatest power available to us in this life. Now, let me ask you this. Is the sun powerful? Yes. Mm, sun's really powerful. How about a talk, a, atomic weaponry? Mm-hmm. With the COVID-19 we've been through, has, has medication been powerful? Mm-hmm. What's more powerful than the sun, atomic weaponry, or the COVID? Faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, people can laugh at me and go, yeah, right. Well, (laughs) I'm a nut, folks. And uh, try it. Start cranking up your belief system of supreme being that loves you no matter what. Ask him to walk with you and help you. A lot of times you'll think he'll rescue you. Sometimes he says, Craig, if I rescue you from that right now, you won't learn jack from it. So I got to let you go through this, but I'm here. And then as you go through it, eventually you get it. It, It'll come. Remember last time we talked, we talked about reciprocation. Reciprocation may not come right away, but it will come if you keep loving. Yeah. And that's what I want to talk about faith or call it uh, stacked anchors of belief or sending deer down the trail or the neuroplasticity is talking about it. They don't quite call it that, but it is what the theologians have told us for 5,000 years. It's called faith. It's a powerful, very powerful neurological process in our brains, hearts, in every bit of us. Cool. Yeah. I dig it. Thanks, Dad. That was very cool. All right. Thanks for listening, people. We, uh, We'll try to come up with something to talk about again. (laughs) Have a good week, summer, day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.